You're listening to an Anderson Entertainment production. This episode, we're looking for visible strings in Fab Facts. We're joining an unusual community in the randomizer. And our guest is award-winning designer Neil Poulton. All the awards, uh, that's all coming up in Bot 220. Well, I haven't got any of them. On the Jerry Anderson Podcast! Let's get started. Let's go. Spectrum is green. The Jerry Anderson Podcast with Jamie Anderson and Richard James. Uh, welcome, we, one and all, to the Jerry Anderson podcast with me, Richard James, him over there, on. Jamie Anderson, and him waiting over there, primed for the randomizer at the end of the podcast, Chris Dale. Now, we have lots what? of things coming up, of course. We've got Aww. some news, 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 because there's always something new happening in the Jerry Anderson universe. We've got Fab Facts, whereby Jamie flicks through a book of Fab Facts. I shout Fab. He alights upon a fact and tells us in uh, no uncertain terms exactly what the fact is and yep. we decide whether it's Fab or not. And we've got some uh, podstrons emailing <laughs> us in at podcast.jerryanderson.com. And they've been uh, also commenting on our Facebook group and uh, hashtagging us on Twitter and commenting on our YouTube channel. Uh, and also we have, uh, I think, uh, an interview, uh, as mentioned at the beginning there, uh, with award-winning yeah, with designer Neil, Neil Poulton. Would you like to tell us more about that, Jamie? No, well, Neil Poulton <laughs> is an award-winning designer. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Am I monopolising? <laughs> is this revenge for last week? <laughs> yeah, I thought I'd turn the tables. Well, well I've, they're very much turned. I've, I've, Aren't they just? Yeah. I mean, well, two can play at your do, games. Do you just want to finish off? Because, you know. I think that. Is there anything else? What? what I, uh, to be honest, I'd normally finish listening by now, so I don't know what's coming <laughs> up. <laughs> Fine. No, all of that stuff is coming up, Podstrand. All the mm. stuff that he said. I mean, I could yes. have said it better myself. So. Oh, I bet you could. I mean, you probably could have sung it better, couldn't you? Judging oh, from last week's. Uh, I'm not doing that fact. again. I mean. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a, it's a sort of one in 150 in, uh, thing, that not it? Me singing on, okay. the, on the podcast. Because sure. I did Newsy News as the um, Secret ah. Service. Do you remember? Yes, yes, I do remember. <laughs> yes, yes, I do. How could I forget? Oh, I wish we could. Uh, and now I've <laughs> done it again with them in Space Man. There oh. we are. Never mind. Uh, Never mind, Eric. Yeah, so there might be some singing. There mm. probably won't be. There's definitely going to be some interview. There'll be some stuff and fab facts and nonsense. And yeah. you've been emailing yeah, yeah. us. And See, I've, I've said all yeah, that. See, so, I've said all of that already. I know, but I feel you, like I'm, I'm sort of out of place. I'm like a I know. spare it's part odd, isn't now. It? That's right. Yeah, exactly. But you're not, Jamie. You're an integral part of the Jerry Anderson podcast. It's even in your name. Well, only one of them. So, yeah. yeah. But, you know, fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, now I feel all discombobulated. Should we just go straight into a fab fact? Because at least I'd do that bit. If it'll help. Fab fact it is then. Now, time for this week's fab facts. Do you want to monopolise the uh, opening of fab facts as well? No, 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 no. No, you carry on, Jamie. Are you go sure? On, in your own words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on. Yeah. Fab facts. Book of fab facts. Richard shout fab. Me stop flicking. Fab fact read out. What? We'll put more effort into it than that. No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm, I'm all, all a, a oh. what's it now? I don't know what to do. So. Okay. All right. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm going to start flicking now. Are you ready? Oh yes, born ready. All right, off we go. Oh, fab! Oh dear. Did you trip? 
Yeah, well, I, I did a oh, thumb dear. trip. I had a thumb trip, so yeah. I, I flicked through the vast majority of the book here. Right, right. But that's fine. Uh, yeah. Last week we started early, and, and this time we're, we're, we're going late. Uh, if okay. you remember, Richard James, a few podcasts ago, we wondered what it would have been like if Star Trek had been filmed in Super Marionation. Do you remember that? Yes, we did wonder that, yes. Well, we may forever have to wonder about Star Trek, but there is one sci-fi franchise that we don't have to wonder about. Now, being a fan of all things science fiction, you may well have heard of a programme called Stargate SG-1. Have you heard of it? Oh, naturally. Yes. In fact, I've also shared a studio floor with its uh, star. Oh, have you? Richard Dean Anderson. Nice. Okay. Well, more more of the Anderson connection there. Uh, Now, in case one of you Podstrons listening has not heard of SG-1, it is a TV series Mm. based on the 1994 Roland Emmerich film, uh, simply titled Stargate. And it concerns the adventures of a military team who explore various worlds through an ancient alien relic known as... A Stargate. Uh, the series it. was very successful and spawned 10 seasons, loads of spin-offs and tie-in media like comics and books and audios, I think some of which have been re-released for the show's 25th anniversary oh, by wow, a big finish. Yeah. Um, the Jerry Anton Connection comes in SG-1's 200th episode. For their anniversary, the production team decided to do a story that was a bit more light-hearted, almost a parody mm. of Stargate, sci-fi and pop culture in general, in fact. Picking up on an earlier story thread where Hollywood made a movie about the Stargate team called Wormhole Extreme, which is getting a bit messy right. here, aren't we? Uh, episode yes, 200 we featured various characters pitching their ideas for a movie about themselves. One character <laughs> right. imagined a possible version where all the characters were played by high-tech marionettes in a clear nod to Thunderbirds. Okay. This pitch recapped the events of the Stargate pilot episode, only when the puppets walked through the Stargate... All their wires were cut, leaving them collapsed on the other side. Uh, uh, right. If you're curious, the entire sequence is available on YouTube. Now, according to the DVD commentary for the episode, the puppets were built by Hollywood effects gurus, the Kyodo Brothers, uh, fresh off their work on, of course, Team America. Ah, right. Uh, each of the puppets cost around $25,000 and featured wires that were sophisticated enough that it was felt the CGI was needed to make them more visible. Uh, right. <laughs> they were too hard to see on screen, thus ruining the joke. So, what yes. do you think? <laughs> Would you watch Stargate in Supermarination? What about Farscape in Supermarination? Or The X-Files in Supermarination? Or a wow. more contemporary show like For All Mankind? Or The Expanse in Supermarination? Oh. Email in yeah. and let us know your favourite would-be combination of existing show combined with puppetry. We'd love to hear from you. Podcast nice. at jerryanson.com. Yeah, nice. Now, Jamie, to your knowledge, are there marionette super marination shows, if you will, being made anywhere in the world today? Uh, well, obviously, there aren't specifically there are kids shows, but I'm talking, you know, in the theme, in the style of sort of your Thunderbirds and your Captain Scarlet sci-fi family audience. Uh, not mainstream, no. I mean, obviously, there's, no. there's Nebula, Nebula 75, which is a bit of a sort of Fireball XL5 yes. lift. Um, yeah. But nothing that is made contemporarily for a contemporary audience on a sort of big scale. And that's partly, I think, because they've just become a bit of either a relic or a a symbol of comedy, which is kind of frustrating, really. Yes, Um, that's right. But that, uh, that Stargate reference in particular... You know, the fact that it's not a serious thing and the, the gag is, oh, when they go through the gate, the wires don't go with yes. them. Yes. 
it, yes. you know, that instantly says, well, you know, internationally, they're seen yeah. as figures of comedy. Figures of um, fun. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Which is kind of mm. sad, but that's yeah. the world we live in. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, interesting. So there you go. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing yeah. people's suggestions in due course. Uh, for for this but for now that brings us with our wires sadly severed through a stargate to the end of this week's string fact <laughs> I can think you of anything you couldn't think of anything could you you couldn't think of anything no, no. stargate fact no. SG1 mm, fact too long yeah mm, none yeah. of them, them yeah, really working yeah. string fact's maybe fine. not no. anyway, string wire fact really but yeah yeah, but you just said wire, and I didn't want to make it feel as if I just literally lifted what you just said. Oh, it's tough, isn't it? It's really tricky. <laughs> it is tough. Doing this podcast is, is just exhausting. Yeah. Just having to be on the ball all the time. Luckily, we have some wonderful podstrons who help us out by Ooh, emailing us at podcast at cherryanderson.com with ideas of their own. For example, here's one from Philip Brooks Law, who says, Hi, Jamie and Richard. I would just like to start by saying the audio adventure output from the worlds of Anderson have been exceptionally great over the last year or so and have really taken me back to when I was seven, watching Thunderbirds and Stingray for the first time in 2001. He says the casts of both have captured the feel of their characters. Justin T. Lee as The Hood, Wayne Forrester as Phones and Jules de Jong as Atlantia really stuck out. Uh, when I first heard The Hood, I could see the temple set and the statue of Carano with the flames behind very easily. Now I cannot wait for the Thunderbirds versus The Hood set as Operation Asteroids was so gripping. However, when the Big Finish UFO series was announced, I was really worried as I really loved the original series. But the more I looked into it, I started to feel more hopeful. Andy Lane's other work at Big Finish was great with Jago and Lightfoot. The cast was looking very interesting, with Barnaby Kay doing a fantastic job with Captain Xantor in Space 1999, so I knew that Straker would be done right. Once the CD set turned up, I played the first episode of my surround sound system late that night, and all my fears were put to rest. The cast, the music... The opening titles with the clicking sound of the fast typewriter, sound design and the great stories. I couldn't stop. I listened to the whole set in one sitting that night, finishing at about 10.30. My only problem is that now I've got to wait until March for more stories. Oh, and whoever made the trailer on the Big Finish YouTube channel, I think it's Chris Thompson, it doesn't say in the video, just put the biggest smile on my face and that's with kind regards from Philip Brooks Law. Cheers, Isn't Philip. that nice? Yes, well done, Chris, and well done to the rest of the team uh, on UFO. It does sound rather marvellous. And, of course, the Philip Brooks Law stipulates that any fans' enjoyment of new content will be inversely proportional to the dread that they experience when hearing of said new content. Oh, interesting. That's an interesting mathematical theory, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, hi, R&J, says from China, Paul Hyder. Uh, he says, yes. Ah, oh, now this goes back a few weeks. We've you, I don't know why we'd be discussing this, Jamie, but facetious does indeed have all the vowels in their correct order. Oh, yes. Mm? Yes, I uh, remember. But so, yes, so does uh, abstemious, uh, meaning ah. moderate food and drink consumption. And uncomplimentary has them all in reverse order. Oh, so it does. Yes. I, I heard you working I, working through I that. I had to just double yeah. check. Gosh, that That's is right. great. Uh, yes. Anyway, uh, PWR, says Paul Hyder, which is possible word order reversed <laughs> and that's come all the way from china cheers that's Paul. Nice, lovely it? yeah hello rich and jamie simpsons clips here again with a smile a song and a trick up my sleeve if only i wore sleeves uh, just when i thought 2000 was an excellent year the year i was born in case you're wondering i found myself another lavender castle related and a wrong 
that ruins it for me. Uh-oh. Here we go. We've opened a can of worms here. This one comes from the 2nd of March, 2000 section of an edition of the TV Times, where the episode interface is listed amongst the CITV programmes for that afternoon. The Anderong in question comes from the episode's description, which is, Dr. Aegon sets a cunning trap for the crew of the Parados. Nope. I did not spell paradox wrong. That's how it was printed. You had one job, TV Times editors. One job. S.I.G. from Simpsons Clips 24. Yes. Slip of the finger on the old keyboard. Yeah. Well, I mean, you'd think a a spell check would pick that up, but uh, maybe they weren't as good for Mm, design software in the late 90s. Who knows? Exactly. Uh, N. Smith finally says, 50 years ago, I first saw this, and it's the first time I've noticed uh, another Anderong for you. He says, and I'm an engineer too. Thunderbird 2 cannot possibly go down on a pod without hitting the pods on either side with its wings. Uh, can you picture the sequence he means? Oh, yes. It's where Thunderbird 2 lowers itself down the pod there. I know. Well, that's impossible because there's pods either side and its wings are sticking out. Yeah, I know. I they, mean, should, they should have thought of that, shouldn't Anderson they? That's Anderson getting Anderson wrong, isn't it? Uh, well, it is, yes. That's an, an Ander Ander wrong. <laughs> anyway, uh, keep up the good work, the three of you. Uh, looking forward to getting my standby for action concert stuff. I had tickets, but had to move house instead. Uh, I hope you managed to repeat it one day. But then he said, uh, what, when's Barry Gray Day and when's Barry Morse Day? Uh, we can't have a day for every single person. <laughs> Be fun though, wouldn't it? 365 de- person days yes. and show days yes. a year. Yeah, it'd be a bit mm. like Saints Days. One it? way to do it, isn't it? Quite like that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, all for now, do send your thoughts, comments and reviews into podcast at jerryanderson.com and I will be sure to read them out next time. Well, I for one cannot wait. Good. <laughs> I mean, you're going to have to, but good. Oh, Oh, hmm. okay. Only a week. Only a week. Um, well, I can probably cope for a week. Uh, sure. But what will help tide me over for that week might yeah. be some Jerry yeah. Anderson news. Oh, yeah, that'll do it, yeah. Okay, well, let's have some Jerry Anderson news then. Yes, it's the Jerry Anderson News. Richard, hmm? what? Newsy, what? News. Well, news? Uh, I, I did say last week. Oh come didn't on! I? I know, but you how would it feel if I didn't? I just wanted to know. Always say things and then actually yeah. you don't actually follow through with them. So. Newsy, news, news, news. Oh, oh, oh it slipped you out. You knew I would. Yeah, you can yes. know yourself. Well, now no. we're uh, in the proper newsy, news, news, news zone. Uh, let's start yep. with this. So let's start with. Thunderbirds, Danger Zone, the card game, the cooperative card game, and it is out now. Lots of you, I'm sure, will already be playing. We'd love to know how you're getting on. Email us podcast at jerryanderson.com with your thoughts, excitement, anticipation for the future. There's a fantastic tutorial on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash TV, where you can watch about 11 minutes, giving you all the ins and outs of how to play the game. And there'll be some more gameplay videos and other stuff coming up over the next few weeks. But we'd love to see your pictures of you playing, your videos, any thoughts on that? We'd love to hear them, love to see them. Oh, yeah. If you're a Terrorhawks fan, the Terrorhawks theme and story vinyl from, was it last Record Store Day, I think, uh, is almost sold out. We've got four left at this point. So if you are a Terrorhawks fan or a vinyl fan, or ideally both, then pop over to the Jerry Anton store uh, and you can find it there. Now, this week ahead, lots of exciting things. Uh, Monday, you'll be able to get a Thunderbird 1 launch bay for your 
uh, office, workshop, uh, tool shed, garage, uh, man cave, woman cave, person cave. Yeah. Uh, and it looks rather lovely. And um, yeah, it's just a nice little subtle thing, you know. If you know Thunderbird One's launch bay, you could probably stick a lemon squeeze to the wall as well if you want. But it's a it's a nice touch which you can uh, to use to adorn any space you spend time in. Uh, Tuesday this week would have been Suzanne Roquette's uh, 80th birthday. She passed away a couple of years ago. So uh, a happy um, posthumous birthday there. Do you know she was only five foot four and a half? Ooh. I'm sure some of you podsterons are the same, maybe shorter, maybe taller. Uh, anyway, there you go. A little uh, mini fab fact for you there. Uh, on Wednesday, we're launching a Thunderbirds notebook featuring the TV21 annual from, uh, or the Thunderbirds annual cover from 1971. It's the orange one with a very dynamic climbing Thunderbird 2 shot. Uh, it's a nice thing. And uh, if you need a notebook, then, well, obviously that's the thing for you. However, this Thursday and Friday yep. are quite exciting if you are a UFO or a Space 1999 fan. If you're a fan of both, then it'll be doubly exciting. Nice. Hmm. It all sounds a bit cryptic, doesn't it? But do stand by this Thursday and Friday. Uh, that's the uh, the first couple of days of September for some very exciting news. Now, I think the UFO stuff that'll be that'll be kind of top secret news going to shadow operatives only. Uh, by that I mean anyone who's bought UFO stuff in the past from the Jerry Anderson store, you'll be one of the first to know this exciting news. I'm looking forward to that. It's pretty glorious that we've been working on something in the background, which I think you're going to love. Yeah. You're basically going to love it. Anyway, that's all, I think, for this week's Jerry Anderson News. That was the news. I couldn't resist singing the song News. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. <laughs> well, it's kind of lovely that you couldn't help yourself. Uh, so. It's silly, isn't it? Thank you for being predictable but enthusiastic. <laughs> that's exactly what my school reports used to say. <laughs> uh, Charlotte, Charlotte reports the same now as well. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Now, just ahead of your uh, interview with Neil Poulton, award-winning designer, I do have some uh, messages from our podstrons mm. via our Facebook group. Would you like to hear them? Uh, no. Oh. Anyway, no, uh, of course anyway, I would. You, no, no, of, course of course I would. Yeah, course uh, Hannah posted, I've been browsing on the internet recently and I came across some concept art of one of Jerry's many failed attempts to remake Thunderbirds. I immediately noticed this uniform looks very similar to the ones in Firestorm. Does this mean we'll also see those helmets in the new show too? Was Firestorm created by Jerry's work to create a new Thunderbirds? Like how Space 1999 was created because season two of UFO was cancelled? If anyone's got any more info, please let me know. Thanks. So that's an interesting idea. Did you take uh, inspiration from other designs for the design of the uh, Firestorm? They uh, were they were costumes? original designs designed by Steve uh -huh. Kite, who I believe did right. the same. He also did the... Uh, that Thunderbirds reimagining artwork right. too so it's actually so that may well be what Tanner's um, yeah, stumbled across it's all connected ah. through the same concept artist that's the, yeah. the connection there yeah and was the idea for it to sort of replace Thunderbirds as it were no, like uh, Space no. 99 I mean no, all, no. all Anderson stuff has a, you know a shared feeling right yes. you know often secret organisations yes. or some you know yeah, yeah. doing something self selfless lots of tech and all that so it's, yeah. it was just a, another another iteration, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hugh Porter posted, My copy of the Secret Service soundtrack came in the post today, and, well, I was surprised to be supplied with the soundtrack and a Gemini Force badge. I don't know if this is a free item, the warehouse had plenty and decided to get rid of, uh, or an order muddle up. Anyway, I'm glad to have it, if it's a free additional item. 
Oh, it was oh, a yeah. freebie, Hugh. Like, glad you enjoyed go. it. Yeah. Uh, Kelly Haycock. I, she said, I had a weird Captain Scarlet dream last night. Um, New Captain Scarlet-style uniform. Blue was wearing mostly Scarlet's uniform, but there was a blue panel on it. Scarlet was wearing Blue's uniform entirely and had salt and pepper hair. But the weirdest bit was Captain Black appeared and was embarrassed because he was dressed up as Mr. Mime from Pokemon. Except he wasn't dressed up. He was in his Spectrum uniform, but he had all the physical characteristics of the Pokemon instead. All very bizarre, says Kelly. Have, I Kelly, into a have you been universe? eating cheese before you go to bed? I wonder. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> no, no, strange. Uh, Alex Patrick says, so I'm listening to this week's randomizer, and hold on a second. Torchy lives in a pineapple house. Jerry Anderson did it first again. You're right, <laughs> yes. You know, yeah. uh, yes, there's I'm a horrible mash up there with SpongeBob and uh, Torchy the Battle yeah. Boy. Torchy. Horrible. <laughs> And finally, for now, Martin Smith posted, I recently subscribed to BritBox through my Prime account. I so wanted to watch A Life Uncharted, which I did yesterday. What an emotional journey through Jerry's life it was. I was moved to tears watching it. A very moving documentary. My heart went out to Jamie and his other family members. I imagine it must have been hard for Jamie, discovering so much he didn't know previously about his dad and having to deal along with his mum, Mary, with Jerry's worsening Alzheimer's condition. My wife came in at the point that Jamie was at Lionel's grave and at Pinewood, where Jerry's ashes had been placed in the lake and the ghost of Jerry walked across the bridge towards Jamie. Well, we were both in tears by this point. I will no doubt be watching this again and again and await a Blu-ray release in the near future with, I hope, a lot of unseen footage edited in. For those of you who haven't seen it, please take the time to watch it. You will not be disappointed, says Martin Smith. Oh, what a lovely, lovely review. Thank you isn't so that, much, Martin. Isn't that lovely? That's, yeah, it's yeah. really nice to hear. I'm so, so glad you enjoyed what? it. And what's so nice these days is, that, of course, with our streaming devices and channels and platforms and so on, things things are there forever. It's not, well, not forever, but for a certain <laughs> term, aren't they? You yeah. know, to watch rather than you just see it once or you miss it. Yes, it's not one and so done. So people are still discovering it. Yeah. Oh, and they will continue to discover it. You know, yeah. ongoing, which is right, yeah, really, really, exactly. really lovely. Yeah, lovely. Uh, so all for now. But uh, you know, if you're on the internet and you're a member of uh, the face group. Uh, then the do pop over group. to the official Jerry Anderson podcast <laughs> listeners group, answer a couple of questions, uh, join in along with, oh, I think 855 or 56 other people, and uh, why not have a bit of fun? Tell everyone your favourite show, post some pictures, uh, and join in the Saturday night quizzes and games. Uh, what is it? Be nice and join in the fun. That's about it, isn't yeah. it? Lovely. Yeah. yeah. Yes, thank you all for keeping it so nice there. Now, I've just yeah. been joined by uh, Betty, the dog. Um, oh good good you excellent to, she's not very noisy so she's just lying on my lap but she's arrived okay. at the perfect time I think for our interview hasn't she oh right that's why she's there I yes. see yes uh, so you may remember some weeks ago we've mentioned the lacy rugged hard drive or lassie depending yes. on uh, who's saying it uh, yes. and the fact that it, uh, its design was inspired by the SPV uh, mm-hmm. well you don't have to take our word for it any longer because the man behind oh. the design is here to confirm it for himself. It's ah, designer nice. Neil Poulton speaking to me from uh, from the lovely Paris in France. Uh, so he was speaking from there and I was speaking from a village in Wales. His life feels more glamorous suddenly. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it, was, it, it was a really enjoyable chat. So here's the first part of two with Neil Poulton. Hi, I'm Neil Poulton. I'm a product designer and a lighting designer. I'm actually based in Paris and France where I've been for 30 years. What a nice place to be. And how is the weather in Paris currently? It's lovely. It's beautiful. Uh, (laughs) 
Uh, it was it was kind of like silly last week. You know, it's got up to the 42, 41s and 42s yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. But you had that in Britain as well. We did. And we it, did. Now, forgive, it, forgive me for saying, Neil, but you uh, you don't sound like a Parisian to me. It, well, listen, this is actually the new Parisian accent. This is the most <laughs> Parisians actually sound these days. No, no, I was uh, obviously I'm uh, I'm Scottish. I was uh, born on the north coast of Scotland, and and I, and I moved down. I was in London for a while. And I was in Italy, and then I was in Paris. So I've moved around a bit. Okay, you're adjusted. But you settled there. I mean, and what's what's better about Paris than Scotland? Oh, don't, don't get me into that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to get started on that at all. No. Next, all right. next, next question. All right, we'll, right. we'll move swiftly on. Yeah. Now, the reason we got in contact and the reason that your name and work might be familiar to a number of, uh, of Anderson fans uh, is to do with the, the rugged hard drive. So we'll, we will end up crossing back into the world of Captain Scarlet, but do you want to just tell me about that that particular product, why people might, might know it? I'm sure they'll recognise it just from the, the the oral description. Yeah, well, this is one of the problems of an, uh, uh, an audio podcast. You know, otherwise you could just flash a picture on the screen. But So the um, the rugged hard drive is a, a hard drive which was designed for Lassie, and it's pretty, I mean, it's, it's a famous... Uh, it's become sort of like a pop icon. It's got a uh, sort of fluorescent orange bumper around it. So people all know it's the orange hard, hard drive. But it's been in like countless films and TV shows. And it's used by like uh, the entire music and video uh, industry. So, I mean, if, I mean, if there's filmmakers watching this, they'll, they'll know what the product is. Anyway, the, 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 um, one of the things with the, um, the rugged hard drive is it's supposed to be indestructible. Hmm. <laughs> I see. Uh, and so you drew on some particular visual reference for that? Well, this is it, because, like, uh, I mean, I always thought that if Captain Scarlet was indestructible, then the SPV should really be indestructible too. Mm. You know, because, like, it's like the, the SPV, I mean, I know there was lots of them, you know, so they kept popping up from all over the place. But yeah. the, the idea of that being you know, a sort of this very, very fast moving tank, I love that idea. And the thing, the, the, the real, the visual reference, well, that was the, I mean, that was the basics of it was that it was indestructible. So it was trying to make a product that looked as if it was indestructible. Yeah. But where the actual visual cue comes from is the, that white bumper uh, around the front of the car. So that is the, you know, I know that Derek Meddings designed um, the SPV, mm. whereas almost all, all of the, correct me if I'm wrong, but all of the Captain Scarlet stuff was Mike Trim, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, a lot of it was, yeah. Like, and and, and Meddings, I think Meddings was maybe doing a film or something. And, and so you, you only, but in any case, SPV was this, it's a Meddings design. And that, the uh, bumper, which it also kind of looks like a sort of a 1960s basketball shoe, mm. you know? And that bumper, and it's got those grooves in it, and it's sort of got that sort of rounded form, a big rounded form, and you get the impression that SPV could crash into anything and it wouldn't get a scratch. So, that was that was sort of the visual cue. I took this this element of the bumper, and just took the bumper, which in the SPV is just on the front, and I wrapped it around the entire the entirety of my product, mm. and then changed the color to make it orange, which actually gave it a basketball reference as well. As we're talking about basketball shoes, yeah. But yeah, so the, uh, there's been a a lot of sort of the, what I do. There's still sort of like elements that, that go back to these early influences with like with all with the, all of the Jerry Anderson um, designs. And uh, I think what's, what I always liked about the, the all of the craft was I liked the idea that all of the good ones in the case are like sort of monoblocks. They're like single objects. 
you know, they, they, uh, they're sort of like, uh, if you take somebody like the Thunderbird 2 or, um, you know, yeah, even, uh, well, even the mole, mm. the, mole is, the mole is a good design. I know it's two parts, but the mole is a great design. It's like, it's, it's, it's it, if you go to something like, um, I don't know, if you look at Alien and you look at the, was it the Nostradamus, the ship, it's this assembly of like lots and lots of different bits. Whereas the, um, a lot of the, the craft and Thunderbirds are kind of like sculpted. Mm. And, and I know that um, Mike Trim always talked about these, these compound surfaces. Sorry about that. Went to tongue try. So a compound surface is basically a surface which curves in two different directions at the same time. And if you look at all of the craft in Thunderbirds and in Captain Scarlet, they all have these incredible compound surfaces. It's, uh, you know, like it's, in terms of design references, it's something that I think it's, it's been overlooked Really, you know how how good the designs for mm. uh, Thunderbirds and Captain Scarlet and UFO and Stingray how, how how really good they were. Yeah, it is amazing how, how it, there's a kind of uh, a design language that makes it all of its very own period, but it's still still cool now. I don't know if you know, but Dad was a big fan of that hard drive and had multiple versions. Oh, I don't. Um, I'm, I'm pleased to hear that. Yeah. It, I never ever met him. It was crazy. You know, I never had any opportunity to meet him. I would have loved to have met him. That would have been fantastic. Well, he, I, I'm not even sure he was aware necessarily of the SPV reference either. Uh, subconsciously. See, this is why I like the drives. Let's, uh, let, let's hope it was subconscious. But yeah, that was his his go-to one. And he would always, if he was going to get a new hard drive, a new external for something, he would specifically re- request one of those. So, um, I mean, the, I mean that, that rugged range is done incredibly well you know as i say apart from it it's in it's in all these tv shows and films i was talking about it's also in museums and they've sold in excess of six million of them wow you know it's, it's like something like six million seven hundred thousand they've sold you know it's like just uh, it's just like crazy in terms of you know the, the you know it, it's just everywhere you know yeah but it is amazing that that's it you know derives some of its aesthetic from stuff you were watching as a kid so that that in itself is amazing, and just to see the ripple through time. So if you go back then to your your telly watching childhood, which I assume was that back in back in Scotland, still we're going back to there. Yeah, yeah. So what what are your earliest kind of Anderson memories now? Well, like I was born in nineteen sixty three, and uh, and that was really in the, the sort of the, the huge boom period for mm. everything around Thunderbirds. I mean, Thunderbirds was everywhere. It was, I mean, it was in cereal packets. You got, you just get little plastic toys, and it, and it would always be the hood. You would go, you would, shake, <laughs> you, you, you would shake the cereal packet, and the little plastic bag would slowly work its way up, and you'd open it, and it'd be a, a green plastic figure of the hood. When you actually wanted Alan Tracy, you know, it was like a, it was just uh, annoying. But the, um, I think that the, uh, I can I can remember reading TV Twenty One when I was re- uh, really young. Yeah. And get and getting really impressed. I think it was was it Frank Bellamy that used to draw the, the yeah, Thunderbird yeah. strip, and being really amazed by that. And I found a photo recently of myself, and it must be either three or four, black and white photo, obviously. And I'm sitting on my mum's knee, and I've got the Thunderbird hat on with the IR on it, and I've got the um, the holster, you know, sort of the overshoulder holster, which is in cardboard, and I'm holding an Alan Tracy doll. <laughs> All right, so you you were kind of a fan then, maybe it's fair to say. Maybe vaguely of you a fan, you know. It's like <laughs> vaguely interested in Thunderbirds. Yeah. I think that for me, like it's um, Fabulous of Five, it was too early. 
But I think I mean Thunderbirds was already started. You know, like, like so. Oh, yeah. I, I, when I, Thunderbirds was sixty two. 65. 65, okay. So, well, it's, it's like just getting into that, and then that, and then Cap- Captain Scarlet, and then UFO. And then by the time I got to Space 1999, that was kind of like, uh, you know, it, it's, there's maybe a generation switch there somewhere. But anyway, so like, if you look at it, I think in terms of the, the, the design, the, the, the great designs, well, I mean, Stingray is such a fantastic design. Oh, yeah. Uh, beautiful. It's a beautiful. And you've got things like the UFO Interceptor, which mm. is just like fantastic. And there's even like um, uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, Skydive, Skydiver One. Yeah. Uh, there's the little, little, little Sky One that breaks away from it off the off the nose and yeah. bursts, bursts out of the water. So I mean, they're they're just legendary designs, just great. Yeah, they are beautiful things. I mean, is it, is it the is it the visuals that captivates you at that young age? Do you think? I think it would probably be a bit of everything, but I think above all, I mean, like it, it's the suspension of of belief. A suspension of belief, suspension of disbelief. I want to talk about. You didn't really care that there were puppets, you know. Afterwards, everybody got really hung up about the fact that there were puppets and and yeah. th- Thunderbirds are these huge big heads. And of course, the difference between Thunderbirds and Captain Scarlet is, is you know, because there's this, this this progressive movement towards realism, which you know ends up with UFO and and, and Space 1999. But the um, I think it was Meddings who was saying in that interview that one of the problems with Captain Scarlet was that. Nobody could tell the puppets apart. So the the, the the fact of having different colors for each character was actually a way of designating you yeah. know which one was which. <laughs> Whereas in Thunderbirds, the difference between brains and Scott is just it's like it's, it's it's <laughs> enormous. But in terms of like that, as I say, that it was really a time when Thunderbirds was just booming everywhere, and particularly the um, you know, the sort of the the merchandising, and it wasn't really like like merchandising that you would go and you know pay like I don't know what you know like a fortune to get a, a limited edition piece or something. It was merchandising that you got free when you as I say when you bought cereal or when you bought a you know you, you bought you, you bought a magazine and they had a, a Thunderbird uh, plastic uh, craft sellotape to the front of the magazine. You know these sort of things. And and it was really that period of boom it was on the TV. It was just everywhere. And I think there would be very, very few people in Britain in that generation, not to have been touched by Thunderbirds. I think you're probably right. And it's, uh, it's, it's such a significant cultural thing. And it, you know, it has reared its head again a few times over the years, but probably never in quite the same way as it did in the sixties. But in comparison to other stuff at the time that might've been competing for your attention, what is, you know, again, what, what is it that made it, Stand out to you? Do you think what what else was there competing for your attention? Well, it was Star, Star, Star Trek, Doctor Who, and uh, I mean Doctor Who. Me and my sister used to hide behind the the couch, you know, sneak looks around the side of it, and it was uh, it was the Tom Baker the Doctor Who that we really sort of like. That he was he was our Doctor Who. I think every generation has their own Doctor, of course, uh, and and he was ours. It was John Pertwee, but more uh, Tom Baker. Tom Baker was the man, and. Uh, I remember with uh, uh, Star Trek, as a, as a young adult, I spent a lot of time looking for the original versions of Star Trek in black and white that hadn't been recolored. And I was convinced that Star Trek originally had been in black and white. <laughs> and I mean, this is obviously because you, you watch it on, you know, on a black and white TV. You know, it's like, yeah. it's, it was, I, would, I got it in my head some way that, the Star Trek that they'd re- they went back and they'd recolored all the all the films. 
I yeah, mean, but so, so in terms of what was competing, but there was, I mean, there were, in kids' things, there was things like, I don't know, like there, was, there was comedy shows, things like the banana splits. Yeah. Uh, the, the, um, and then later, no, it was much later, there was things like Tiz Wars and things on the TV. But in terms of the, the, the science fiction stuff, afterwards there was uh, The Tomorrow People, Blake Seven, uh, all of these sort of these classic British science sci-fi shows. And uh, Blake actually used to live next, next door to my mum. Uh, Gareth. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> Some oh, world. Yeah. world. Okay, but it, the, the, it was the Anderson stuff that seemed to have captivated well, you the most. For my my mum said that uh, at one point I wanted to be called Alan and I wouldn't reply to any name but to Alan. <laughs> so I think it was, uh, it was pretty sort of like seriously obsessive. Do you know what? This is so strange. It's, it is a very similar story. I'm probably going to get this wrong, but Sophie Aldred, who was ace in Doctor Who with Sylvester McCoy, she insisted in, on being called, I think, Scott as a kid. And I'm almost certain that Nick Briggs, who was voiced the Daleks in Doctor Who, was a Gordon. So uh, you're, you're joining an, an illustrious club. We're just looking for a Virgil and a John now, and we're all set. That's it. We can put the band back together. <laughs> <laughs> well, you look at an amazing lineup. I, I'm sure of that you can design the uniforms uh, Neil how's that the new ones that would be great no but in, in Thunderbirds it was Thunderbird 3 Thunderbird 3 was my favourite and it was and it was really annoying because it was never in any of the episodes it was always Thunderbird 1 and Thunderbird 2 and Thunderbird 3 was like every 10th episode they would so yeah, like you know, get, yeah get a special treat and get it and Thunderbird I, I always wonder like going to the design element of Thunderbird 3 mm. I mean I wondered if I'm presuming, presuming that was Medins as well the Thunderbird 3 oh yeah but I wondered how how influenced he was by the um, the spaceship on the cover of Objective Moon by Tintin, which is oh. ten, 10 years earlier, from 1953. And that's a big red uh, spaceship. It's not the same shape, but it does have those three big external engines. Interesting. Uh, and so it's, it's almost like you take that, the Tintin spaceship, and then you add flying buttresses. You know, because the, the, you, 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 you don't know what these things are, these three things that are coming down. I mean, that's what gives Thunderbird 3 its, you know, its, its classic look. It kind of looks yeah. like a gothic cathedral or something. Yeah, uh, it does, doesn't it? I'd never thought of them as flying buttresses, but you're absolutely right, especially with the added kind of black the, 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 stripe the, detail. Yeah, yeah that's it. It's, uh, no, it's, uh, there, there's something, and it's like Scott Monument, you know, in Edinburgh. You put Thunderbird 3 there, in a black, and it, people wouldn't notice. People often actually, when they go to Edinburgh, send photos in or tweet them and tag us and say, oh, I just found Thunderbird 3 up here. So it is, a, yeah, it's, there's a visual language there that's shared. I'm amazed, though, that, that Thunderbird 3 is your one and not 2, because Thunderbird 2 is the one that everybody loves. So what? why Why does 2 fade into second place or worse for you? I know. Uh, Thunder, I love Thunderbird 2. The, one, the wonderful thing about Thunderbird 2 is it's this huge big cargo and it just looks like a huge big cargo it looks like it would never fly you know it, it, and the, the wings going backwards on the side and all this, you know the, there's so many details and the, the thing that's, that's that always intrigued me about Thunderbird 2 were the pods because mm. I always I always felt like the pods were kind of like the elements you know so if you look at it and you got you know you got water fire air earth so water's Thunderbird 4 yeah. fire's firefly Air is what the jet air transporter, mm. and Earth is the mole. You know, so it's like, a, and then because, and, and it's kind of like each each one of the pods has a different element in it. And it's like, a, a, but as to why um, Thunderbird three beat Thunderbird two, mm. I don't know. Maybe it was even because of its rarity. 
You know, it's rarity okay. in the series. Because you got you got Thunderbird one and Thunderbird two every week. But you had to, had to wait. But yeah, yeah, it's a special treat seeing Thunderbird three do anything. I, I mean, I think maybe even the mole. You saw the mole more than Thunderbird three. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. It's funny, isn't it? How yeah, there's you. There's started as soon as you start to pull at the threads of the logic of a lot of it, you know, particularly Thunderbird Four being carried by Thunderbird Two, so it's a pod vehicle in line with the others. What makes that so special? So th- it gets a Thunderbird designation. Uh, yeah, and you know, it's was Thunderbird Three designed for that much? I suppose it was designed for Space Rescue, but yeah, let's not pull at the logic too much because it's it because the whole show does work. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, so beautifully, including its its aesthetic, and it from that point of view, I don't know how you feel, but the 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 vehicles and the characters were really designed by two two separate teams, including the puppet wardrobes and stuff. Which is why when you look at the sash colors versus the vehicle colors, they they bear little if no relation because there was no coordination between the two. So you had. Maybe even three separate departments, really, if you include art department with sets and props working on this one show, and yet it works together and ties together. What what do you think it is about the kind of the visual language of of Thunderbirds, which makes it its own contiguous world that that does feel completely developed and like it can exist kind of out of time, uh, and that's why it lasts. I don't know. I think it, it definitely has that sort of. Uh... That space age aesthetic to it. Mm. I mean, even in terms of like, I mean, uh, Sylvie, I, t- I take it with Sylvie, it was doing all the fashion design and all the costumes and everything. Well, we believe so, yeah. I mean, the, the puppeteers were doing a lot of their own design at that time. She, I think Sylvia kind of moved into more of the costume design on, on the live action stuff, but she certainly right. seems to have had an influence across it. Because you see it particularly like in, uh, you see like, um, do you know Andre uh, Courage was? Andre Courage was a French designer who basically created the, the space fashion. Well, him and Pierre Cardin created it. And so they, if you look him up on the, on the internet, you'll find that he, he did all these amazing things, and a lot of them look like costumes from Thunderbirds. <laughs> and there's a lot of things that are really could have been Courage designs, you know, like things like the, uh, the Angels, the Angels mm. costumes, or the Space 1999 costumes. They look an awful lot like uh, André Courage, his, his designs. You should look him up because he's, he's often overlooked. But at the time, he was really credited as being the founder of, uh, you know, like of, of space fashion uh, yeah. and a co-inventor of the mini miniskirt, I think, as well. Uh, okay. So it's like I mean, a, it was pretty radical, pretty radical, you know, design. He was like it was like a transparent, transparent latex, and you know, like a, uh, you know, all white. Uh, quite uh, quite shiny clothing and things like this. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty, you know, like sort of uh, comic book style clothing. I mean, it it makes sense that they they tie together. So they because the you know the hardware guys were all inspired by current and potential future vehicles, aviation, space travel, and the certainly from the design side, we I was given a um, Captain Scarlet script a few years ago that belonged to somebody from the puppet and wardrobe department. And inside were various cuttings from fashion magazines at the time, where they'd obviously read through and were looking for inspiration for particular characters' costumes, I guess. So they, I think they they were heavily influenced. I don't know what comes where timeline-wise in terms of those designers and their activity. There's a Scarlet, Captain Scarlet-like kind of vest, a Pierre Cardin one, I'm sure. So I... I 
who who influenced who i'm sure there's a lot from the world of fashion but I, again i hope it kind of went forward as well yeah i, I would have thought that at that time there'd probably be a lot of things coming they, they would be taking their influences from what was going on all around them yeah but the sort of the irony of it is that now today we are taking our influences influences from them you know so it's like it's kind of it, it goes full, full circle no yeah it's like uh but that there there certainly is a sort of harmonious sort of overall design to almost each of the series and each of the series has its own nuances in terms of like the sort of the style of it i mean if you look at things like captain scarlet i mean captain scarlet in general most of the craft are more angular mm. there's a lot of sort of triangular sort of form they're more aggressive yeah and it kind of matches the sort of the, the more darker element of captain scarlet where thunderbird was thunderbirds was pretty you know pretty lighthearted you know thunderbirds were it was it was it was kind of like the chemical brothers you know they were they were, they were sort of like it was the euphoria saving the world you know this sort of stuff it was it was uplifting in this yeah, one yeah, yeah. Whereas Captain Scarlet had this this really sort of dark edge to it. I mean, there's the you know the fact that the main the main character gets killed and comes back to life. Uh, you know, it's, uh, for a kids a kids TV show at that time, you know, it was like, uh, oh, that's gonna. That's, and particularly, I, I, I mean, did you get any problems with the church? I don't know. It's funny, isn't it? Because at the time, I mean, certainly uh, you you would have had on the BBC Mary Whitehouse complaining about everything in Doctor Who and everything being dark there. I mean, we've had a few people email over the years saying, is there some kind of religious, you know, Jesus-type connotation in Captain Scarlet's resurrection, essentially? Uh, and I don't think so. I mean, it's a, it's amazing what was acceptable and wasn't read into and wasn't deemed to be potentially damaging for kids back then. You know, you you couldn't make Scarlet for a child audience now it, it would just be impossible you'd get you'd get shut down by Ofcom before you got off the ground again maybe it was because they were puppets and if you'd done the same sort of thing with like real actors <laughs> then maybe you'd have Mary Whitehouse you know like uh, going crazy uh-huh. yeah yeah I, I'm not entirely sure well I mean she I don't think she attacked the ICV stuff quite as much as she did the BBC anyway but uh yeah, it it, de- it definitely had a different different flavor to it, and you must have watched that quite young then. How because that came out in sixty seven? Obviously, it was repeated through the sixties and early seventies. Uh, yeah, again, I don't know if I saw that things when they were on their first screenings or you know if the because it, it was just it was just there on the TV, and yeah. and the thing it was like you know because it's not it's not today, it's not YouTube. You did have to sit and wait a week, yeah, and, yeah. and, and there was there wasn't any VCR even at that time. Mm. You know, you you physically had to if you wanted to see it. Thunderbirds, you had to be there in front of the TV at the time Thunderbirds was going to run, yeah. or that was it, it was gone, you know. Yeah. And I mean, that's obviously something that <laughs> our generation we, we sort of like progressively forgotten that you're going to go through a different means of like recording right up to you know to the red button now. But mm. um, that, that was something that, and and again, if something I don't know, there wasn't any um cliffhangers in Thunderbirds, though, were, were there? I mean, they so there was a commercial break because it was a fifty-minute piece, so you'd get the bumpers halfway through, which would which would be cliffhangery. But I mean, no, I mean nothing was nothing was serialized. Scarlet had a, a hint of it with a the kind of continuing threat, obviously with the Mistrons, but it what they weren't kind of giant arcs for everything going on. Because uh, I remember that at the same time we, we used to go to the cinema on a Saturday morning, mm. and there was the matinees, the matinees, and they would run Batman. And Batman always ended on a cliffhanger. 
Yeah. And so you had to come back next week to see what was going yeah. to happen. And then the next episode ended on a cliffhanger. And then, you know. And then keep uh, going. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But I think that was, I, I guess, American stuff, maybe it was easier for them to be serialized, whereas they, they, they could never guarantee uh, broadcast order for, uh, for, for serial stuff, particularly in the UK. So they, they never had those continuing elements, which are just so familiar today. Here's a question on that. I mean, I mean, why was Thunderbirds, why did they pull the plug on Thunderbirds? <laughs> uh, Lou, Lou Grade, really, who was dad's backer. So, I mean, he, he it's funny because he kind of, in my mind, he set up its demise in, in many ways because it was, it was a half hour show. He demanded it be made longer because for whatever reason, he felt like a 50 minute show of this sort of scale and stuff was going to work. And then nobody really had any slots for a kid's 50-minute show in the US. So All right. they did the first series, he renewed them for six episodes, and then he was like, no, I can't can't sell it out there. And selling to the US was the big ticket um, because he didn't make it. That was that was the end, even with the two extra feature films. Did you see those? Yeah, I saw the feature films. I, um, I'm sorry, but they're, they're, kind of, they're kind of too long. You know, <laughs> you know both of them. And, yeah. uh, and, Thund- and Thunderbird 5 being a biplane is like, a, you know, a, 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 maybe not the sort of thing you would expect. You know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting, that whole kind of thread of brains, we need a Thunderbird 6, and then all these designs. A Thunderbird 5, sorry, I said Thunderbird 5, I meant Thunderbird 6. I, it's sorry, five, sorry. Everybody forgets Thunderbird 5, Neil, that's quite all right, I'm sure. <laughs> it's, up, it's up there spinning around with all the, the space junk. Yeah, exactly, bouncing into, uh, you know, bits, bits of debris that are floating yeah. around now, yeah. <laughs> Oh, more next week from Neil. Great. Um, How interesting. Yeah, see, just the life of a designer and the different things that inspire yeah. you, and the t- different things yeah. that fascinate you. I always think it's interesting, depending on who we speak to, the, the specific elements of the shows that they're most interested in, that they enjoy the most, and that stick out to them. And it's sort of yes. it's very different for everyone, really, which is kind of... Of course it is. Yeah, um, absolutely. If you want to see what Neil's up to, you can go to neilpoulton.com, N-E-I-L-P-O-U-L-T-O-N.com. Uh, and see him there he's also on Instagram and um, some other places too (laughs) great that was helpful wasn't it it was very helpful I'm on Instagram now are you well yeah yeah I quite like it Uh, what's your handle well I think I'm Richard underscore N underscore James oh just to change things up a bit yeah Yeah. I know I couldn't think of anything else uh, well, you know, that'll do. I, I'm sure at least one <laughs> Postron will follow you now, but I'm going to do it right this second, actually. Oh, that's very kind of you. Now, uh, you must be aware, dear Podstron, that we have our own official Jerry Anderson YouTube channel uh, and nah. all sorts of things are posted on there from primers Never uh, to interviews to, uh, oh, Chris Dale's amazing Beyond Anderson series uh, yeah. and oh, tech talk and all kinds of wonderful stuff, as well as the podcast. And in its own little section, Fab Facts, every week, which I know is very popular and gets thousands of views just on I its know, own bizarre, well isn't it yeah i know uh under one of our more recent fab facts that was about when barry morse and Catherine shell worked together on a series called the adventurer uh mr shawnsk uh posted the adventurer is at least as good as the protectors both were only 30 minutes long and had great theme tunes both had u.s movie star lead actors and great location work two fine shows T. Kent Flyer says, I really am tempted to check out The Adventurer after hearing these fab facts. I'm a big Victor Berman fan. William Whitehead says, you forgot to mention that the actors also met during the filming of The Guardian of Piri, season one. 
which is an episode from Space 1999, which yeah. rather undermines the whole premise of that particular week's well, fact. Well, different characters, di- different characters set up. Right. So, no, it doesn't. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Uh, following on from the story about, uh, was it Gene Barry, I think, who refused yes. to work with anyone taller than him? Yeah. Uh, Alex Rogan uh, posted, I've got visions of Gene Barry scanning the day's call sheet, demanding to know how tall each actor is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and finally, this will please you, Jamie. John Clay summed it all up by using simply three words. Good fact. Three? Yeah. Good, good fat fact. Oh, sorry. Good fat fact. The dog was barking when you said fab, and so I just heard good fact, and I was like, that is only two words, you know. Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. But there we are, uh, all for now, but uh, yes, do comment underneath our various YouTube videos, and I'll uh, see them there and read them out next time like I always do. That's what I'm here for. Excellent. Uh, now, uh, Eric. Got steady. Now Sorry, then. they're getting a bit grumpy and tetchy over there. Uh, yes. Now, I feel like it's time that we delved randomly into a random episode of a random Anderson show. What do you think? Well, can we do that? Well, thankfully, we can. Yeah. Because All right. on hand, right now, we have the randomizer himself with his randomizer for a segment oh, called the yes. randomizer. Of course. Yeah. Yes. Great. Let's do that. Good. Here's the randomizer. Morning, Tintin. What brings you here? Oh, nothing much. Just thought you might like to press the button on the randomizer today. Good. That's nice. Yes. So, what are you up to? Make yourself comfortable in the control seat and I'll explain. Huh? Thank you, yes. Thunderbird 1, eh? Oh, that's very nice. Don't get yourself too comfortable. Oh, all right then. Well, I'm checking Thunderbird 1 systems. We never know when the ship will be needed, so she has to be perfect at all times. Yes, good thinking. We do much the same with the randomizer, you know. Tell me all about it. Oh, well, it's pretty simple, really. All you have to do is press that big red button there, and in a few moments we'll find out which episode I'll be watching today. That is, if you actually want to do it. Why, certainly I'd be delighted. Thank you. I wonder what it'll be. I think it's a big one this time. Oh, well, don't get too carried away, eh? Just in case. Oh, don't spoil it. Okay, well then, let's see what we have to... Ah. What's the matter? Oh, um, well, it's the protectors today, which is, you know, fine. Um, However. However, yes, this is far from being one of my favourite episodes. In fact, it might even be one of my least favourites. Well, there's no use brooding over it. Quite so, quite so, yes. Well then, suppose I'd better get started on it. How long is that going to take? Well, about 25 minutes normally, although if I struggle to find anything to say, it might be significantly less. I'll just take a quick look. Yes, you don't want to stick around too long for this, as it's one I think I'm really going to struggle to find things to talk about. But here's Burning Bush with apologies in advance. I wonder what he meant by that. So, here we are again with The Protectors, Series 2, and I've been thinking a lot about um, my struggles with The Protectors on The Randomizer. I stress, I like this show, and I like this show a lot. Um, I appreciate that it sometimes doesn't always sound like that, Simply because I, I don't feel the reason for that is a f- any failing with the show. The the failing is in, in me, in being able to articulate. Salvation. Something that 
compared to the other Anderson shows, is a bit more run-of-the-mill. There aren't any fantasy or sci-fi elements. With the exception of this episode, and don't get your hopes up, sci-fi fans, it's, it's very minor. Um, let's say paranormal element to this episode. As we open in this uh, commune, is in resolution. where uh, they're, they're having a bit of a chat about salvation and such, the congregation that is an ultimate are uh, going along with the whole theme of salvation, including one young lady in the front row, played by Sinead Cusack, in timeless who's uh, very into it. Descending from the and beside her is a, another familiar face from a previous randomizer. <laughs> Ken Hutchison, who I think we saw about this time last year in the Space 1999 episode Seance Spectre, where he was a bit of a religious zealot. When all ugliness shall become beauty. And he's doing much the same here, oddly enough. It's a very similar performance, which is interesting, because they're his only Anderson guest roles. For other beings to eliminate. I think this guy's name is Mark. Because he's got the same unhinged look in his eyes and, this, crucially, the same beard. Leave her, brother Mark. She's with the spirit. Leave her. And Sinead Kuzak is, um, well, she's a bit, she's a bit overcome by uh, all of this. Sister Anne has been chosen tonight to bear the beauty and the pain of this manifestation of grace in the spirit. Oh, well, it's all right for some. Her gently away. So we come back from the opening titles, not to Harry's uh, groovy pad in London, um, which I, I, as I previously said, I've been to, but to the outside of this commune in London, where, oh, behind the wall of names that uh, make up our guest cast, blocking the screen there, we find Paul taking photos of Sinead Kuzak. I suspect there's a bit of, uh, as was common in the, the second series, Oh, Mr. Rule, I need you to help find my son or daughter. We had an argument, and now they've they've gone off. Uh, I am rich businessman of uh, lots of money, and, um, yeah. Oh, here he comes now. I, I suspect this is the father. Um, obviously, I, I have seen this episode, but not often. So, yeah. I, I, rem I think I remember just about enough of it to get by. He's been picked up at the airport by a limo, whisked off. Here we are in Harry's pad. Where is she, Mr. Rule? Your daughter joined a community here in London. What are they? Witches? There's not a great deal known about them. They protect their privacy. They produce this magazine, which they give away free on the streets. Uh, it's a religious order, very sectarian. A combination of Christianity and spiritualism. Spiritualism. The community is led by Mrs. App Simon. And again, this is a, an odd, and or I wouldn't say odd, unusual area for an Anderson script to go in terms of uh, a religious order. Um, obviously, you know, Father Unwin operated out of his church, but the church was a minor aspect of the Secret Service. And I would say maybe to a certain extent, spiritualism is at the core of Space 1999, or possibly spiritual, an odd combination of spiritualism and humanism. So this is a, a kind of an odd choice for a protector's... Oh, unusual, I, I, I made the mistake again. Unusual um, choice for a protector's story, but I think this is the, the, one of the advantages of, as I think I've said before, having such a loose format as the premise for the series, you really can do anything. And uh, here's Sinead Kuzak's father. 
going to go straight to the commune and see if we can see her. My name's Adam Ferris. Yes? My daughter Anne, she's here. Long blonde hair, Canadian. Sister Anne. Ah, that Anne, yes. I have no father on earth. The only father I acknowledge is of and with the spirit. Then you don't wish to see him? That's a fairly, uh, a fairly decent attempt at a Canadian accent there from Sinead Cousin. I'm writing to you. Who I suspect everyone is going to tell me after this. Oh, she's actually Canadian. And, uh, yes. This is Sister Anne's other life. We had no wish or right to intrude. You knew who she was. To us, this is young girl who needed help. Mrs. App Simon. Peace of mind. Who runs the place. She was my daughter. Yes, we did. And very wealthy. That did not stop us from inviting her to join our community. And generally when you see a, a story like this in a drama show, and I, I'm thinking uh, only of an example I saw recently, an episode of Fraud Squad from the 1960s, which I, I thoroughly recommend if you can get hold of it from network. It's very good. Um, you know, there's always some kind of... Either the whole commune setup is crooked or a key member is crooked. And luckily, in this episode, it is just the latter. Abundantly clear, Mr. Ferris. Sister Anne does not wish to speak to you. My because I, I, I seem to recall that Mrs. Appsimon here is... Um, this is a private house, Mr. Ferris. Is, um, ...is genuine. Now we wish you to leave. I warn you. I'll tear this place apart if I have to. Oh, me and my brown duffel coat. Oh. But Mark you has got leave. some... Uh, Please. ...back up with him. Because Mrs. Appsimon may be a, a good woman, but... Uh, she knows when to send the boys in to, uh... Me not to face you. ...duff someone up. It's right that I should tell you. Tell me what? I have abandoned my old way of life and all that goes with it. Including me, your own father? I and my money? My true father is of the spirit. But, Anne... I have given my body and my soul to the faith. You've been brainwashed by these... these freaks. I know it's hard for you. Oh, I suppose another Anderson um, faith, spiritualism, religious uh, story is, is The Fire Within, isn't it? I've completely forgotten about that. And that's probably the most overtly religious-themed and based story uh, ever told in the Anderson universe. We will look after her. I do look forward to getting to that one. not see you a second time. Goodbye, Mr. Ferris. Oh, well. That's it. Him and his money. That didn't get him anywhere. So it's time for drinking. <laughs> Your daughter is independent. She can live anywhere she pleases. I've got to get her away from that house. Even if she's happy there? Look, especially if she's happy there. I'm businessman McMoney Lots, damn it. Decrees at all private... And I'll say that my daughter's happiness is the most important thing to me in the world. Things happen to me. When I can fit her in. More booze. I'm only interested in Anne leading a happy, useful and fulfilled life. She says she's happy, but I know her too well. I don't think she is, or will be, or can be. We should meet Mrs. Simon. She's a female Svengali. I'm talking to females, where's the Contessa? I, uh, is this one of the few episodes that uh, it's Harry and Paul? Another drink. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of like that we have a Harry and Paul in the Jerry Anderson universe that is uh, it is quite a nice dynamic. I, I, I love the three of them together, but I also love when they do pairs within the trio. I'm sorry. So, sorry. Harry's plan to uh, get some time to talk to Sinead Kuzak is... Are you ill? Oh, I'm all right. ...to dress up as a tramp and sit on a park bench near the commune. When did you eat last? <coughs> I can't remember. And it's an interesting idea, because um, Paul's watching him from this car as well. But I think... I, I think they don't take it far enough in terms of making Robert Vaughan up. The costume looks looks great. I don't know where Harry Rule would have got a, a, a tramp outfit from but i think the fact that it is robert vaughan he is at this time very much 
just he's got the face of a Hollywood leading man and you can't hide it at this point so it is like you know his clothes say that he's been living rough his face perhaps perhaps not but we don't know anything about you who you are where you come from we know he's a drunk does that exclude him from needing to be loved cared for she asked me to come (coughs) I come (coughs) I didn't she said that you were Christian folk. He's just looking for somewhere to stay, an easy time. Now, how will it work? I don't know. Keep. <coughs> I don't need no chair. <coughs> this is not a DOS house. But, Mark, I feel a... Shh. You say you would like to join our community. Well, not if you don't want me. Oh, who wouldn't want you? We will give you a period of probation. You must prove to us all that you are genuine in your desire for spiritual guidance. Since you brought him here, and are so obviously sympathetic, Anne, I'm going to make you responsible for him. That's fair. And I can stay? Provided you work hard and obey our rules. And that means no alcohol. Ooh, of course he's got a bottle in the pocket. Oh, and he's going to hand it over. Big old bottle, too. We bathe every day. We're up at six and in bed by nine. We do not eat flesh and we do not tolerate excuses. After a week, we will review the situation. Until then, you will confine yourself to your room and wherever Brother Mark instructs you. Are you to enjoying work. this? Are you enjoying this, by the way? I'm. I feel I'm drying up. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I said going in. I didn't. I. I. I just. I struggle to engage with. Um, with this in a in a critical way. I can watch it quite happily, but finding things to talk about, and it shouldn't be that difficult especially in an episode as unusual as this and i think this is a scene where we're about to come across the first major sort of supernatural element as they're all uh, having their little um meeting in the chapel again harry is peeking in through a window someone trying to come through as mrs Absimon leads the congregation are you there my daughter Mark, it's my mother. Anne. Oh, dear. Anne. I'm here, mother. I'm here. Anne, my darling. So, um, we have apparent supernatural possession in the universe of the Protectors. How do you feel about that? Come through. And again, I'm pretty sure this is this is presented as uh, as a genuine. Have turned away. From the skepticism. Genuine possession of, of, of sorts. Here's Adam here. Father, he is not a believer. Pretty. Which you would think this is sort of a, a trick to keep her on side. But I don't think it is. I think this is um, this is for real. The bird. Which I kind of like within this, this story. I have a... Um, you know all these um, ghost-related shows and things like you know Derek Acora and so forth. I don't believe in those as television shows. Um, no, that's not a, that's not true. I uh, I I believe they are television shows, but I don't believe in the way they present the world of the paranormal in terms of you know what's the American one, Ghost Hunters, where a load of plumbers hunt ghosts on the side, and it's presented as absolutely genuine. And um, was my mother. You have earned this visit. Where am I going with this analogy? I'm completely lost. Oh, yes. Um, 
I so I, I am a bit cynical about reality in inverted commas ghost related shows but I think if this is genuine as I'm as I'm almost sure it is meant to be I kind of admire the show for not kind of casting any um any critical comment on it as such there's no point where anyone says oh oh yeah well she was she was having you on there wasn't she um within the universe of this show I kind of like the idea that um it's just hinted at here there's a bit more going on than meets the eye and now Harry has snuck into the chapel after hours to uh, have a look for sort of hidden uh, hidden doorways and secret passages and hidden switches and such even this great big cross it all seems rather genuine so after a very prolonged period of looking round Harry is jabbed in the face with a torch you must have tripped what are you doing here yes tripped and got a massive bruise on your head come down here and find you on the floor with a torch in your hand oh that's not his torch though more to the point what are you doing here I thought I heard someone oh, thank goodness no one else heard you know what Mrs. App Simon said so sorry you must get your rooms quickly alright uh this is kind of a fun, actually, a, a fun way to take the Harry Rule character. I like the idea of him assuming another persona to carry out this assignment. He's already donated that. Not something he did all that often. It happened occasionally, and, uh, more often for comedy than anything else. Need more information than that. Yeah, well, I'll use every contact we have. Okay, find the Contessa. She knows people that we've never even heard of. Yeah, okay. Oh. Hey, by the way. Uh, is Nairi Dawn Porter going to show up? I like it. Uh-huh. What does that line even mean? She knows She knows people that we've never even heard of. She knows um, Mr. Stuart Hambledown of 19 St. George's Road, Putney. Um, what? Oh, I'm a... <laughs> I, 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 that line probably made more sense if I hadn't waffled over the uh, beginning. But uh... So the Contessa is apparently playing some role in this episode. I still doubt we'll see her, considering it's um, now the second half of the episode. But stranger things have happened. I think Harry Rule did one episode show up just for the second half. Anyway, Mrs. Absimon is a bit uh, suspicious. As well she might be, because Harry Rule is now going through her desk drawers. Trying to. Yes, he's got it open. What are we looking at here? I don't know, because the picture quality is too low def for me to make out what it said on the front of the folder. Well, here's a letter. What does that say? I still can't make it out. This is the last will of Anne Thingy. Oh, an interesting development. What about you. And there he is. I can explain that. Our obvious villain. Don't waste your time. With a gun. Who would have thought that Sanderson, of all people, would turn out to be a, a badden? Must be given away. But getting a 19-year-old girl to sign her will seems to me to be a little unusual. And I, I do like, actually, the switch there of Harry from his, his drunk homeless guy to normal, professional, slick, cool self. They sent you to me. And what's interesting with the, the ending of this is that um, you would think, okay, Mark is in it just for the con. But there is an element of, uh, of something more there. He's not in it for the money entirely. It's urgent. There is a bit of him sort of seeing himself as a chosen one, almost. Well, it's your friend. I 
in much the same way that Sanderson did in Space 1999. It is a very Stand. close character. He promised me. Well, we could try and get him to his room, but we'll have to hurry. And I wonder if, if it's this role that got him Sanderson several years later. What have you done to him? It's probably just a coincidence, but it's a, a fairly, fairly major one. No one ever comes down here. Ooh. He's locked them in. Really? Tied Harry to the wall. Wait to see. Now he's going to tie Sinead Kuzak to the wall. Oh, no? No. Um... Mark, have you seen Sister Anne? Well, he went off somewhere with her and a rope, so... Why? She's disappeared. Nobody knows where she is. Her bed hasn't been slept in. Oh, that's funny. Why? That new man, the probationary, always hanging around her. He's gone too. But it's not me. It's not my fault. I'm sweet, innocent Mark. Touching her, eyes on her. She's very attractive. All I want is a habitable planet. Ah. Mrs. Apsimon accepts that explanation. We close in on a, a close-up of um, dear old Ken Hutchison pulling a very slimy, shifty expression. Hello, yes? It's for you. Ah, her dad's still around the place. Yes, this is Adam Ferris. Mrs. Ab Simon. When? Last night. No, I haven't seen her at all. And I'm not giving you much time to say a full sentence. What did she want? I love that in shows. Where's it? Yes? Hello? At the hospital? Oh, right, yes. Searching everywhere. And there's no time for the person on the other end of the line to uh, to say anything. Okay, so he did tie her up. In a few days. Put her in a different room. It worked out so perfectly. Ah, now he's brought her back in. Last week, I witnessed it. She left everything to the community. Oh. I warned them about you. You were drunk. So it's not so much that the community is taking advantage of her, it's that... Mark found out about the will that Sinead Kuzak made leaving everything to the community, and now... He wants that money, I guess. Um, and when she wouldn't lay still, he killed her. He didn't mean to. He was drunk, crazed with whiskey. Then, unable to face what he did, he committed suicide. Oh no! You together with a knife. Oh, but he can't stab her, and it's uh, not for lack of trying. Some kind of force appeared to intercede. He couldn't bring the knife down. Very spooky. And Harry looks, Harry just looks back at Sinead Kuzak as if to say, what the hell was that? The man you know as a stuttering drunk is working for me. His and I've got a lot of money. Investigator. And if he did leave here... I'm money bags, muck rich dad. Oh. Somehow... Oh, okay, yes. Because uh, Mark dropped the knife, Harry and Sinead Kuzak are able to use it to free themselves from their bonds. He was going to kill us. Something stopped him. Hmm. Gotta find that madman. What sort of something, though? It's different. Yeah. And we're coming up on an unusual ending to the episode. This is Simon. And thank heaven. Where's Harry? Mark. He tried to kill us. Mark. Harry. Oh, no. Not trustworthy Mark. Yes, and it's an ending that I I kind of find the idea of it sits a bit oddly within not only the protectors, but kind of the general ITC universe. When you have a series that's so grounded in reality as the protectors mostly is. What's a life? The idea of um, spiritual... Many minds! Divine intervention almost being used to resolve a story 
kind of... I don't know. I'm, I'm never sure how I feel about it. There's an episode of an ITC series called Strange Report. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Which is um, very much grounded in reality. And uh, the main characters are forensic investigators. So they go into everything in great detail. And there's one episode that ends with um, a, a, the spirit of a dead witch kind of intervening. Very similar as, as um, Mark is, is experiencing here. Um, you know, to save the day. But a great wind just rushed into the room there, caused Mark to fall on his gun and fire it into his stomach. And that's it. That's uh, the resolution to this story. And as I said, a Strange Report does a similar thing where um, at the end, of, the very end of the episode, uh, 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 they're having a birthday cake and a, the spirit of a witch wafts into the room and blows out the candles. And it's like, this is such a reality-grounded show. And now we're being asked to accept this divine wind sometimes it is better not to question and that line kind of you know okay it's supposed to make you think no just leave it as a one-off we can accept this but it's i've got to say it's always been very difficult for me to accept this as an ending um so yeah i would be interested to hear other people's thoughts on the protectors episode burning bush I have to say, as I feel I so often say with the protectors, and I don't want to say it because I love this show, this is this is not a favourite of mine. I think it is perhaps just a bit too different to work within the format. I admire them for trying, but I think the uh, the angle of genuine spiritual divine intervention um, is a bit much to swallow within the protectors universe. But do let me know what you think. Right. Yes. Well. Back the into the avenues and alleyways with you, protectors. Yes. We don't need any more of that. As much as uh, right. Chris maybe okay. partly enjoyed some of it, uh, yeah, he'll be back yeah. next week with another randomly chosen episode from a random Jerry oh, Anderson series. Because what will that's it be? I how it, well, it'll be random because that's how it works. Well, that's what I said, yeah, I wonder what it'll be. I didn't say what will it be, and then expect oh, a response. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, rhetorical. Sorry, Sorry. I didn't. I didn't it's random. It's all random. It is. The whole podcast is really. Well, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is a script, but. Uh, not that you know. Oh, do you know, should I tell you something now? Yeah. Well, the minute that we start recording these podcasts, mm. I close my script. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't need to know, do I? Not really, I, I suppose. I just follow your lead. I, I read the news and a few other bits and pieces, so yeah. it all makes sense. That's right. Yeah. Uh, good. Yeah. Well, yes, Don't fine. tell Ben that, though, it's, will you? No, 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 no. Yeah, but thankfully, <laughs> I don't think you'll be listening. Mm. No. Right. Anyway, look, that is it. Please do... Mm. Drop us a note, podcast at jerryanderson.com with any thoughts, ideas, questions, a queries, feed... Yes, a note. What's a wrong with that? Note. A missive. An epistle. Right. If you turn into Mark Heap then for a moment, that was very <laughs> strange. Start asking me where Wilson is in a moment. Anyway, this is getting into a niche thing, especially for our non-UK listeners. Sorry, Postron. Yes, sorry. Oh, dear. Just, just leave us a review or something or other uh, rating yeah that'd be great that'd be rating nice. we're always very yeah. grateful when we mm. see those if you haven't done one yet then you know not shame on you but also a bit shame on you so yeah, you better fix that sharpish right we'll be back mm. with uh, pod 221 next wow. week i know I suppose it will be yeah. numbers keep going great. up yeah uh, don't they and uh yeah that's it all right then okay so i hope we didn't make your ears too clammy and stuff mine are certainly uh, clammy mine too We'll yeah. we'll see you next week, Bostrons. Bye. Bye.
Stage one complete. Let's go. Right. I know we talked about breakfast last week. Oh, yeah, we did, didn't we? Um, I had an mm. extremely disappointing takeaway. Oh, did you? Oh. Is there such a thing? Well, you know, I didn't think so, but yeah. I, uh, yeah. I, I know this is a huge first world problem. I completely acknowledge that. But sure. I, I had a really long day. Uh, I had nothing in the fridge. There was just no food in the house. And I knew I was mm. going to be working until half nine or something like that. So... I thought, well, I can eat on the on the job, so to speak. So I yeah. I, I put an order in seven o'clock. Yeah, nothing, nothing what? arrived. I really? finished the work I was going to do while thinking I could eat <sighs> during it, and then oh. it arrived. Right, and everything was a bit insipid oh. and wilt, oh, no. wilted brownish salad leaves no. in with stuff. Right, a burger mm. swimming in liquid cheese sauce, oh. but not in a good way. Ah. Oh. It was heartbreaking, Dicky. It was heartbreaking. Right. Name and shame. No, no, it? no. I'm not Come doing. On. I'm not doing Let's that. That's them. not fair. That's Let's not fair. Let's get our followers onto them. <laughs> Raise them all, but go after them with pitchforks. No, I don't agree with that. Um, oh, okay. Strategy, okay. but I won't be doing no. that. But uh, no, I was just, I was just sad. So, uh, what, what I really need to do to fix that is to have a lovely curry somewhere. Oh, hint, I love hint, a curry. Wink, as you wink, know. hint, hint. Oh, nudge, nudge. Oh, somewhere. Somewhere. Oh. Okay. No. Yeah. All right. Yeah. What? Okay, what are you looking at me for? I'm not taking you out for curry. Well, what? Come I thought on. you were inviting me out. <sighs> yeah, what, should I, what? Just a minute. Okay. I do a podcast every week. What more do you want from me? Blood? Th- 30th of September feels like a good yeah. day for a curry, doesn't it? Oh, yeah? right. Let's, get let's you. discuss this more offline. All right. Let's do that. Mm. Onion barges. Lamb Rogan Josh. Airborne Danzac. And a mango lassie to finish. Weird. You have been listening to the Jerry Anderson Podcast. Wasn't it fun? You have been listening to an Anderson Entertainment production. 